we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta <laughs> Filmmakers Podcast. Me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. Hey, it's the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast again. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I, I'm Matt Waterworth. Uh, I'm Scott Westby. You know that, but that's I'm for great. the listeners. I know. I know. Um, we sound the same, though, kind of too, right? Do you think? I guess, I, uh, I, yeah, the people say that. And yeah. Scott and Matt are similar names, so yeah, yeah. it's no surprise if you confuse us. And that's mm -hmm. okay. We don't take offense. Not at all. People call me Matt all the time. Um, and nobody calls Matt Scott. They call everyone. They just call us both Matt, which is fine. <laughs> um, so we are Full Swing Productions, uh, and every week we bring you news tips and interviews from the film and video, video uh, industries of Alberta. Mm -hmm. um, and we are filmmakers ourselves uh, going through the making of a film um, called In Plain View. Uh, and every week we do a little bit of a quick uh, update before we move on to the news and stuff. So how's the movie going, Matt? Good, man. Um, moving moving along, there's, there's so much to post-production. Um, yeah, it's really when a film is... is manufactured like you, you kind of you know writing is the blueprints production is kind of gathering all your assets and then post-production is when you kind of make the movie mm -hmm. <clears throat> so and right now we're in a we're kind of in a place where we're gathering some feedback and, and thoughts from people while simultaneously gearing up to start work on the uh the music the sound yeah. the color all of those things are so kind of it kind of bottlenecks uh, a movie sort of gets bottlenecked in the editing um uh, I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's just once once you achieve something called picture lock, which means none of the frames of this movie are going to change. Um, and that's a pretty intimate relationship with the director and editor, getting that to a certain point where we're like, everyone's like, okay, we're all happy with this. This is the movie. And then you can send it off to visual effects, sound design, um, scoring and music and color grading all happen at the same time. Yeah. And it kind of spiders out that way. So we're just getting all those conversations started now um, and getting kind of rolling on all that stuff pretty soon here once we get what we call picture lock. Yeah. What about on the uh, sales side? How do people... The sales side, yeah. So this this whole uh, European film market thing is coming up quick. Um, and with with a lot of markets and, and conferences, once you once you kind of get access to it, once you buy your pass, um, then you're provided with the list of everyone else who's going to be going as well, which is so handy because um, you can find out, oh, this person's going there and they distributed a film that's similar to ours or they distribute films in the budget level that's similar to ours. Uh, maybe they're interested in, in uh, watching this one. So that's what we've been doing. We've been kind of uh, the entire team has been researching different companies and who's going and, and who might be interested and just kind of reaching out and and uh, seeing what sticks really. So yeah, yeah it's going great. Telefilm is, is, has been immensely supportive um, as far as kind of giving us resources and, and, and parties to go to and stuff like that. So yeah, very cool. Yeah. We are huge. Thanks to them for that. Um, and of course, we're, we're able to go because of uh, Ampia's market access grant. So mm -hmm. if you don't know about this grant, check it out. Um, and it's a, it's a grant uh, up to $2,000 to go to a, a festival or a, or a market um, with a film. So uh, Yeah, and they're, they're opening that deadline again in March. Yeah, think. so it's definitely something worth checking out because uh, you could go to another festival as well. Totally. Uh, so this week in the movie league, the fantasy movie league. Oh, right. So yeah, we've, <laughs> which, had this, we've had this movie league going for like maybe four weeks now. And it's growing. I think three. It is growing. We've got uh, well, yeah, maybe four. three or four new players. We've got FK Cinemas, mm -hmm. Patrick Cineplex, which I suspect is Patrick Our Curry. most recent guest, yes. Yeah, um, Ash Cake and uh, um, Nick, who, who didn't put any films in his movie the right. theater last week, which which is an interesting play. Which Nick is that, though? Show yourself. And FK Cinemas, who are you, wonderful people? Thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah. So FK Cinemas uh, and Ashcake and Patrick all did better than you did this weekend. Yeah, right? yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, there was kind of two 
big movies to bet on and it was triple x and split and you know what and i thought the founder was going to do better than it was you right know, I, yeah I, I don't watch a lot of trailers and i but i have seen that one and i and i'd heard people talking about it and I right was like, yeah yeah this will be a kind of a sneak sneak and it wasn't super cheap but it was uh, it was good to get it in there i was like yeah. this is going to be great and it was not I did the opposite. I bet on Split on uh, M. Night Shyamalan's new film, which the reviews are, you know, it's the first good one in a long, long time. Another piece of information that I didn't really realize until this go around is, is you get a bonus for picking the top grossing film of, 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 the, the, of the week. Oh, I didn't know that. That's why there's these little stars on the, on the posters um for split so oh that's news to me so you always want to pick the, the pick top the best yeah, as much as you can that's part of the strategy i guess that's interesting yeah. um you had uh live by night in there which i put in my <laughs> mine last week and failed uh heavily on because of yeah you know what happened there i i just didn't have money anymore needed, so yeah. i just needed cheap movies gotcha. i didn't want to lose because if you have a screen empty you lose two million dollars that just weekend a little filler. which happened to me right, uh, and right, right. i think the only person who filled their cineplex was uh was ash cake Huh. cinematically jay man fool like he, the, the weekend that he hitter. came in first he absolutely crushed <laughs> um and and he didn't do great he bet hard on hidden figures this week <laughs> this mm-hmm. week um and now he and i are pretty much tied for for leading all time right right, right. Okay. so it's we're, we're back to neck and neck which is great because i didn't think that i'd be able to catch up to him the top the, the the perfect lineup was two splits three monster trucks and one sleepless which left everybody with two empty screens oh wow um and only 17 people on the website had that Got perfect that. lineup wow. that's amazing i've had a perfect lineup once before just saying that's fantastic and then uh, when i started playing with you people i i suck i know it's one of those things <laughs> uh so congrats to uh briar and fk cinemas who placed second and third this weekend uh and if you're interested in joining um go to how can they how can they find this place i mean the link is a bit weird you could search for the ab filmmakers podcast league on the site but if you just check our social feeds the links are in there as well yeah. you do require a password and that's ab film cast all cap no sorry ab film all caps yeah, all yeah. caps um it's super fun and i think we're going to be resetting everything in five uh, weeks or so uh, we'll be in a new window new season. on the site so now's a good time to get on board figure out how it works and then and then put your best foot forward on the next season absolutely we should start giving stuff away we should yeah yeah okay so next next <laughs> right. we haven't talked about this yet ne- yeah. maybe in the next season we'll give something away That's to the person who wins a full season the full season yeah, yeah, like, yeah like the top For contender sure. And you always get a shout out if you're the best of the week. Yeah, of course. Um, so that's a fun thing. We also have uh, some Oscar news. The big Oscar news, other than the the winners, is the uh, nomination. Nominees, of course. Lots of really cool stuff. What did you think of uh, of what what? Um, I I mean, I wasn't terribly surprised by anything. Yeah. Um, it's nice to see some African American representation <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, <laughs> this yeah. year. Yeah. Um, Briar was telling me about the hidden fences controversy. I don't know I don't if know you can hear about that. Where um, a few a few celebrities have have mashed hidden figures and fences into the same they've, they've just slip of the tongue said oh. hidden fences oh no and it's been a it's been kind of a big deal oh, um boy. and uh yeah so that's you know that's kind of the new the uh the controversy around uh putting those you know two black person films in the same <laughs> yeah, oscars yeah, yeah. which is unfortunate but i mean it is having two is great and, yeah, and it's progress sure. um but uh, there are some some Canadians nominated, which is so exciting. Yes, yes, super exciting. I think we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight nominations for Canadians this year. Wow, that's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. So we have um, Ryan Gosling doesn't feel as yeah, Canadian I mean, to me, but he, he is counts. He technically, totally counts. He counts. Congrats to him. Um, so we've got nominations in uh, documentary feature and sound editing, sound mixing. Of course, Ryan Gosling for acting. Um, Arrival, best picture. So Sean 
Levy or Sean Levi. Sean Levy is is nominated because he's a producer. Oh, cool, cool. And also the director, I believe, is Denis yeah, Villeneuve. Yeah, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, is, yeah. is nominated for directing. And then best short film, um, animated, and uh, best production design. So congrats, uh, amazing congrats to all those Canadians uh, for nominated. Sure, for sure. The one thing I want to say is, you know, you and I, we happened to catch a movie called Nightcrawler. Right. At TIFF. Yeah, yeah. Years ago. And I was like, this is a great movie. And, and Jake Gyllenhaal should be nominated for Best Actor for it. He was not, though. He was not. And Steve Carell was for uh, Foxcatcher, oh which is just so frustrating because, uh, yeah, anyway. So this year, I was like, mm, this time around, what's, what's I'm forgetting the name of his movie. Um, uh, Nocturnal Animals. Okay, yep. I was like, this. That I mean, I haven't actually seen it. So, but I'm hoping I want Jake. I want Jake to get a, a nomination. Has he never been nominated? I don't know if he's never been nominated, but it's been a while. And he's he's. I think he's one of the great actors working. Um, yeah, maybe check on that. But um, he wasn't nominated this year. He was oh nominated for Brokeback, of course. Right. right yeah. Right, there you go. Um, and so uh, yeah, he, I just think he's fantastic. He's and new. he's our new Leo. Yeah, 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 he'll get sure. it someday. Right, yeah, get yours, yeah for me, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of my uh, very favorite actors is nominated for that movie in the best supporting actor role, and uh, that uh, is Michael Shannon. He's yes, just he's fantastic, an incredible actor. So that's good to see. Yeah, for sure. So um, uh, it's been it's been like a year and a couple months that we've been doing this podcast. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, I hate pointing that out because we're on episode forty nine. I know. <laughs> so yeah. if we're past the anyway, anyway. <laughs> we haven't had like a like um, a full time career editor on the show yet. Right. That's not to say that um, nobody on the show has has been editors or or capable of editing. Of course, um, lots of people have that skill set, but we've never had someone who identifies himself as an editor. Right. Which uh, is is shameful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a massive part of the process. Um, that it's yeah something yeah. we should have talked about a while ago yeah and it's something that I think I think gets forgotten far too often mm-hmm. um, and what, what the epiphany I had was that a film is really kind of told by three storytellers there's the writer there's the director and then there's the editor and they kind of work in those phases yeah and right? I, I wanted to speak to our guest about just that you know you hear that that term and uh, he brought it up uh, yeah on his own. Yeah, so um, a fantastic conversation with uh, Ken Filowich, who's been editing Heartland for 10 years now. Yeah, amazing. Um, and a ton of other stuff and sort of his journey and his story uh, and a fantastic conversation. Yeah, so here he is, Ken Filowich. If you'd like to no, relax and noise reduction no, like filters, it? you're filtering this audio? No, not now, oh. but but after. Yeah, and, after you know, in post. You apply, I just apply three filters and that's one of them. And it's always it's always helpful for sure. That's sweet. Yeah. Uh, what's up? Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Thank Welcome. you. Thank you very much. You know, when we were coming up with the idea for this show, you, your name was uh, someone we've got to get on. Hmm? Yeah, really, this was one of the first. It was like Ken. Yeah. Ken yeah. Village, for yeah. Sure. Um, thanks for being here, man. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Yeah. Um, so if, for those who don't know, um, you, you're probably the go-to editor in Alberta. There are there are others. You're not the only one, but but certainly uh, probably the first name that pops up when people are looking for a good editor. So um, how did how did that journey begin? How did you get to where you are, and what what made you kind of decide this industry was for you? Yeah, I mean, and you know, there, there are a couple of us for sure, um, but it's certainly a, a small enough pond that yeah, it's pretty easy to be a medium fish. Um, right. 
Um, but I, uh, I'm an Edmonton boy originally. So that uh, a lot of people probably are turning off their computers <laughs> nope, right nope. now. No, no, go oilers. And, you know, like all of us in this industry, or most of us, um, I liked movies. And mm-hmm. I liked I liked TV a lot, too. I wasn't just uh, a movie guy. And um, after high school, I went, to the U of A and you know all my friends were in business and engineering and getting real jobs right yeah yeah and I totally felt the pressure to kind of do that and but I took an arts degree in economics and and but I took film classes and right. of course that was you know pretty every much time. failed out of every other thing <laughs> but the film classes I did quite well in. and it was before they had a film program and I left for a year, just wasn't working. I kind of went back when they started a film program, so I actually went for the first year. Oh, cool. And same thing, at the, I was, at the same time, I was looking at possibly looking to go to Nate. Right. And sure enough, I ended up getting accepted into Nate, and so I pretty much dumped the university thing and then went to Nate. And that was, you know, I really found a home um, what, and felt comfortable. And what did their program look like at the time? It was uh, radio and television. Right. Um, the television production um, was all sort of single camera taught, so very film filmic. But we 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 did um, shoot on on video, obviously not like Calgary where they were shooting a lot of film. Right. But very similar programs. And uh, yeah, I mean, part of my start was. I worked at a company in Edmonton um, when my dad had our home movies on Super 8 film. You could get a deal if you transferred them se- yourselves to VHS tapes. So they would do it for you. But if you want to do it yourself, it was actually called like do-it-yourself transfer. Cool. And so I went and I did. I copied all our home movies. And I understood, you know, the technology came very easy to me. And it wasn't big technology. And they offered me a job. So I, <laughs> and so I ended up working there for years in the summer and after. And they had, a, they had a VHS edit suite that they would do offlines for commercials at that time. Oh and then things God. would go to Studio Post. And it was VHS cuts and wow. writing down the time codes. And they would, uh, you know. So there was a lot of traffic that was going through at the time. I did Katie Lang's uh, home movies. I, oh did, I did the home movies. The, you know, this is a movie in itself. Because you would think, okay, people's home movies from 1940s to 1980s, everyone, it was like, oh, okay, now, oh, I see, we're going to Yellowstone, and I can give you the seven shots that are going to be in there. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, and look, there's Radium Hot Springs. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah, there it is. There it is. And it was a checklist, <laughs> and it was amazing to me. But that also, to be honest, like watching all that footage, it was so neat to see how people thought and what people thought capturing um sort of an environment was and i was always like oh, i would just wish they would have got the shot like, even <laughs> then i was kind of like oh they should have got you know tighter here <laughs> and so the poor bastards i'd critique people's yeah. uh, whole movie so that was actually that that even preceded my um i worked there for a year before i went to the university the first time oh wow so i i just i i just had this desire i wanted to do something and then sure enough I started getting a few editing gigs in that environment and then, you know, even just little things. And, um, and then when I was in Nate, I, I went to, uh, I did my practicum 
at I. In fact, I I worked at ITV when I was doing uh, going ITV. to school. Did you have what's ITV? that? No, no. What's no, that? there was no ITV. It was. It's now global, as I recall. Right. But ITV was a network in Edmonton that had a little studio where Studio Post is now was or is. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that was. I grew up on that. That was my news station. Yeah. One of them. And now they're global. Yeah. Right. And we had that, a channel, but so did so did Edmonton, right? Eventually, yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ITV was so interesting because I mean, I just you know was with uh, producer of Heartland. Uh, Jamie Paul Rock. I mean, he worked out of Alarcom at SCTV during those right. days. Really? I mean, that's what. That's how when wow. when when that building was as a private studio was erected, and Doctor Allard said we're going to do productions here, and they they actually produced a whole bunch of commercials for clients that they would want, including the brick and things like that. And Just when on they spec on spec. So when they opened wow. the doors and they brought all these people in that they had invited and. The brick and, and they showed them commercials and they had great you know they had the great ADO at the time and all those things and it became an he he had a business model and he got money in that door instantly wow huh. and so even do, working at ITV next door was always super interesting because I'd I'd do the odd commercial the Mattel commercial I might grip on it oh, or cool. you know so there was there's always it was oh just, so you're getting your hands on a bunch of different I was stuff. I was even then and in fact I uh, um, people didn't even know we were in school. And then the, the fascinating thing, uh, my buddy Keith Hogue, who has worked uh, with Don Metz for, at Aquila Productions all these years, he was working there before we went to Nate. And I met him and Nate, and we became very good friends. And I was going to go into camera and direct it. That was what I wanted to do. And, of course, you show up, and everyone wants to go into camera and directing. Right. And because I had an editing, some editing background and I, I met Keith we're like well I'll, I'll go into editing cool so I went to editing and camera and even that decision later on he and I were both cutting news at ITV which again great uh, learning ground cutting news stories in 45 minutes or 30 minutes you know learning how to cut really quickly and when our practicum was done or sorry when our when it became time for our practicum our, my, our boss said, I can't pick between the two of you for the practicum. Well, Keith worked at Super Channel as a, um, uh, basically a, just a master control guy. He said, well, I still got that gig and I still work at Aquila. So I got to do my practicum there. All this stuff that, that ended up being the people I met that I then came to Calgary through that practicum. Right. It's all, you don't realize the biggest moments of your lives yeah, yeah. when, and you're just sitting there and you're just having a discussion and it's like, well, no, no, I'll do it. Okay, fine. And I didn't care. Like I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's and, totally, and it's totally like, true. That's the that's... total reason I'm in Calgary Say because your path, yeah. I worked the weekends. There was a cameraman named Al Leader. I told Al when I'm done my practicum, I might think of moving somewhere. He says, I, right, you should call my friend, Matt Gillespie. He's in Calgary. And, and then I worked for Matt for you know whatever almost 15 years and I was around when Matt and Al formed Leader Productions and all of that it's just you have no idea yeah how it's gonna <laughs> turn out and when people always say well how did you well look at that 10 minutes of a yeah it's, <laughs> which, which, which is so frustrating when you get into the industry and people are like what's your path yeah, like, what do you exactly. where do you see yourself in 15 years it's like I don't have yeah. any fucking idea because you can't plan this stuff. no you cannot plan yeah. it be nice to people um, recognize talent in others and hope and then hopefully get to work with those guys. Jordy, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Mike Jorkinson. 
yeah. was a cameraman on the weekends when I worked there. And I remember oh, really? him pulling up in his Dodge, black Dodge Stealth. He was that hair flowing when he got out of the car. <laughs> and he was a rock star. And same thing. I talked to him now and it's like, do you remember? Like, can you believe that <laughs> were we like how long ago that was and our paths and just how like it's it's incomprehensible, really. <laughs> so <laughs> so after all that, what was the yeah. original question? Well, well that I'm was so it. Sorry. I'm still on it. We're Go still Oilers, going. right? Go Oilers. Well, <laughs> Matt and I don't sport. <laughs> what was the? Yeah, we got to get you in the fantasy movie. League. <laughs> yeah. um, the uh, what was the moment though where where you were like, oh, editing is something I can I can really sink my teeth into and 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 don't want to bury the lead, but directing has become yeah. a, a path recently for you as well. Um, so that's interesting that you mentioned it before. But but where where were you like, oh, editing is kind of my home right now. I would say, you know, in school, it definitely came easy to me as far as now. Technically, it did not. And that's where Keith is a genius. And I wrote his coattails mm. for the technical side. Um, but the storytelling has always just come easy to me. And I've been able to see that in my mind always. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Um, so I'm, I'm lucky that way. You know, even now when we talk to people about editing, there's kind of three things that you, you, you kind of have it or you don't, just like other things. Um, you need to be technical, especially now, and you need to be someone that can sit in a room and be a bartender and a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are three things that are right. really hard to find in people. I mean, they might have two of a three and then person's a complete idiot. And you <laughs> yeah. can't leave them alone with clients or they right. can't be trusted to speak right. to people in a normal manner. Editors are traditionally kind of grumpy, so... Even at ITV, I remember all the news guys, when I first started there, even before my practicum, they were all really nice to me and very welcoming, but a lot of them are grumpy and they'd been there a long time. Right. Because after you cut those first news stories, it, it's the same thing after a while. Right. And I just remember saying, like, I have to not stay here because it's it's easy and I like it. I love it. But I'll become that, that right. grumpy yeah. guy. Yeah. So that's why I forced myself to move after because I knew... It would just be too easy to stay there. Right. Um, but news for sure, Matt, like when I was cutting news and and just being able to do it quickly and, and the tactile nature of it, you know, you do a lot of things live at the time. You'd actually, you know, do a split edit. You'd just roll, pre-roll them back, have video to audio selected and deselect your video before the pre-roll and as it's rolling then, de- you know, so you'd actually do this sort of physical switching on the fly. Oh, yes. And right. I love that stuff. Like I... I always played a lot of sports and I just, there's a tactile element to it too right, that I, right. I really, you know, um, and the other thing, most editors are, uh, you know, musical right. because editing is music. Right. It's, uh, you know, loud and soft, fast and slow. It's, you, you can't have drama without tempo and pacing. And so when that translated so easily for me too, I, that's kind of, all that all came around that news time cool i just yeah hmm. so uh, what do you edit on um i've edited on pretty much everything um right now on heartland we use avid um i was certified on um uh, final cut pro 7 i smoke flame now resolve well, I'm, I'm i'm cutting things on resolve just oh, wow. you know just because you get a music video and or a, a little short and it's easier just to keep it in that environment and right. the syncing is so wonderful um hmm. 
The the one that I'm not great at is Final Cut 10. My kids can use it. They're 10 and 8. <laughs> and I can't figure it out. What is, um, I'm a, yeah, we've it's just a different I'm, part I'm, of my mind. I just it doesn't work for me. I, like, I think it is a simplified thing, though, right? Like I, I don't know. There's something. It's the yeah. way that I think doesn't work. But no. So at, at, at Premiere, I used to do a ton of After Effects work back in the day. Hmm. Um, Premiere. So you know the tool will all translate. Um, yeah. It's there's an in, there's an out, there's an in. Yeah. It's you're gonna be able to do it. It's just how, um, just the, which buttons you press. Right. So how did Heartland happen then? And when? And, and, and what was the journey <laughs> to get to start there? And, and Well, Heartland, I mean, and I've told this story to the creators of Heartland, so this is not speaking out of turn. But um, they were looking uh, for an editor. They, to, they had been picked up after a pilot, and they were going to reshoot some of the pilot and then go into production. They had shot the pilot in November, December, I think it was, and they picked up sort of the the next spring. And I was interviewed by uh, Tina Graywall, and, and then Heather Conkey walked down the aisle and said hi. And Tina said, well, this is what we're planning on doing. We're going to introduce a new character, so we're going to recut the pilot. And so we want you, like, how long will it take you just to drop in some scenes, basically? Right. So the pilot's done. But we just need you to drop in these scenes that we're going to shoot, and then, you know, then you can start a new show. And so I took the VHS tape home and I put it in my home theater. When was this? Uh, well, we just finished our tenth season, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but even because I remember we had Sate people working on. It couldn't have been. Oh no, yeah, okay, so seven, yeah, two thousand seven, yeah, yeah. two thousand six, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't at all involved in the pilot and the shooting, right. or even the editing. They. they Dean Bennett shot the pilot, and um, it was edited out in Montreal because that's where Michael Weinberg, the right. owner of the property, is from. Right. And the editing went terrible for Dean, mm. and he really wasn't let in the room. So he, so going back to that, so I take this VHS, I put it in my home theater, and it's unwatchable. Oh man! <laughs> and I hit fast forward. And I hit fast forward again, and I watched oh the God. pilot in four times fast forward. <laughs> and I don't even think I got to the end then. And I went upstairs and said to my wife, Jennifer, who's a costume designer, and I said, Jen, I, I can't do this. I mean, if this is what they think is good, I mean, I'm the wrong guy for the job. Right, right. Because this, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's mm. absolutely atrocious. And so knowing that, <laughs> oh, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> and in fact, when I went back to talk to um, Heather again, I just wanted to kind of, eventually I talked myself in the idea, okay, well, if they let me ship the tapes out, give me the cut, allow me to recut everything. Let me just see what the footage is there. Right. Let me, let me recut the whole show and add the footage. If they'd be open to that, Maybe. Maybe that's something that's worthwhile Because, I mean, you, you knew Dean before, right? So. Uh, not well. Oh, no, my no. wife had worked with him a ton, and I hadn't. Right, but, okay. So, Dean, the first thing we really ever worked on together was this pilot. Mm -hmm. So, they said, oh, well, I guess. I mean, if you think you can make it better, I, I, I sure, I guess. So, I got we got the tape sent out, and I was hired based on that. But even when I was talking to Heather, I went down to see her, and there were two people in an office on the way. And they said, oh, I hear you might be editing the, sh the show and the pilot. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm Ken. And 
oh, hi, we're David and Layla. It's like, oh, my God. I said, that thing is unwatchable. Oh, no. <laughs> and, of course, they were the writers of the episode. Right. And that's when I really learned to shut my mouth. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I've, I've never been the smartest guy in the room. But when you're the dumbest guy in the room, <laughs> right. that's. That sucks. So I just, I was like, oh, well, well done. Uh, if I'm still hired when I get home. Um, and then the, the, the sort of the period to that story is. I recut the show. I had everything digitized. And, and I would say it went from a two to a six. Um, and That's not awesome. based on my it's talent, but just, <laughs> it just, just because now we had new footage to interpret. Right, right, yeah. It just, sure. it, right. It just became this thing. So when Dean came in to watch the pilot, he was just dreading it. And he comes in and we start, we hit play. And the first new scene probably wasn't until three or four scenes in. And he, we're, we're just 30 seconds in. He goes, stop. And he said, did you recut this? And I said, yeah, I, I, I requested. And he started to cry. <laughs> And he he basically had a tear in his eye saying, I never got the chance to do my cut. Wow. Wow. And this is going to be my chance. And oh, my God. It was so wonderful. It's a big deal. Yeah. It was a big deal. So, um, yeah, all those years ago. And now I think, oh, I, I shouldn't have said anything because I'm going to have to do math live now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dean, but I know, has done the most episodes of the show. He's, he's directed the be, most. Yeah. I have done... Let's see, 86, 90. So I'm in the 90s. Wow. Oh 90s of one. One show. One show, one I didn't hour even show. realize that, and I've worked on the show. Yeah. I thought I thought, I thought, thought it was like half and half each season. It is. We have had 170 shows. Whoa. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I remember when <laughs> yeah. I, in season six, they crossed the 100 episode mark. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's, that's, I'm like almost at 100 episodes of a single. Wow. So that's, you know, and it's been great to me. And, and the thing that it affords me is it affords me the opportunity to work with great people. I get asked all the time, how are you still doing that yeah. same show? Right. Well, I get to work with fantastic people like Craig Robleski and Damon Moreau and um, directors, Bruce McDonald, you know, people that I just, Steve Skane, people I love working with. And right, that's right. how I look at it. And I challenge myself every year to try to maybe edit backwards. I try, I just try to do different <laughs> things do so that I, I, you know, focus on different things. Huh. Um, uh, but that's that, and that show has also afforded me the opportunity to do things that maybe don't pay as well. I've done a bunch of movies during it, yeah, right. With Robert, and and that it's it's been that's what it's been giving me the opportunity to do documentaries. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. You've all you've been Robert Cuffley's kind of go to guy. I for... did. I didn't cut his last film. Um, I did cut two of his films, right. though, Walk All Over Me and Ferocious. You actually brought Walk All Over No, wa yeah, Walk All Over Me into uh, into Safe when we were students. I remember. Yep. And I don't think we watched the whole thing, but I think you showed us scenes and, and well, just talked about editing it. And that was cool. right at the beginning of Heartland. Yeah, yes, it because was. Because I remember finishing that in the edit suite when we were just firing everything up. Because I was having um, Warren Langford, my assistant at the time, was helping me do both. <laughs> right. So. I remember when I wasn't. Cutting Harlan and I, I cut the opening sequence as well, which God damn it, I wish I got a royalty on that. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, every time I see it, I just <laughs> who do I talk to about? Yeah, this? no kidding. Um, but yeah, walk over me. I mean, I, I I'm still proud of that movie. I thought Robert did a really good job. Yeah, on that. And it was a fun film. Absolutely, it's of excellent. Course. Yeah. So what? How much? <laughs> 
Can much you tell that? I'm a nonlinear editor? That yeah. my mind. No, 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 no. I apologize to no, everyone. No, no, we're always the same. <laughs> I just jump around. What? Um, I guess tell me about the editor as a storyteller, and how much are they secretly making kind of the whole movie themselves? Well, <laughs> it's like asking. I don't know. Because I'm going to tell you, we make the whole movie, but I, <laughs> of course I, I know we don't. But the the common. I don't know. Um, when talking about movies, people say it's made three times. Right. It's written, it's shot, and it's edited. And you write something and it gets, you know, we get notes, you rewrite. When you shoot, you have the script that you're trying to achieve, but because of <laughs> everything, yeah. we, it changes. And then the, that last stage is really a rewriting of the story. Yeah. And the... You know, I always look at it, um, you know, for my process, I open up my script notes when I'm cutting a scene and I, I kind of look for the red. I look for don't use because of right. boom. I look for um, definitely not because of something. But after that, I don't I don't read. I don't look at necessarily even favorite takes or anything like that. I just look at every single frame and put that scene together based on what I think are the best moments, whether it's acting, camera, lighting, whatever. And I think that's a really interesting because I will then look at notes after just to make sure. But you're also cutting with the overall script in mind. Right. So even if the line isn't there, there's always that feeling of, well, what was the intent of this scene? Mm. And then... The thing that no one can predict is when you first watch it all together, you know, whether it's that first time that um, the, the first red herring, oh, you know what, that is too soon. People right. will figure that out. In the script, it read perfectly. But yeah, you know what, this actor is so strong that it, this is an obvious red alert. Right. And, and so now you can discuss everything because it's all there. And take that intent of, okay, we wanted to hide this element. We want to, you know, uh, sprinkle this little bit of foreshadowing here. And, and you basically now just re rework the script right. in the visual form. Right. Um, and then other things that come up that actually change the story and might make it better. You know, that's the fun part for me. And, and selfishly, the reason I've always loved editing is I... I am the first person that gets to see this put together. <laughs> right. And I know how long it takes to make a movie. I know how hard it is before you roll a frame. I know all the people that work so hard and all of that. And I'm the fortunate one that gets to put a scene together and say, wow, this is awesome. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's that's cool. a very that selfish cool. thing. Yeah. And to be honest, I think editing still is a little bit of the black arts for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, I, I there are certain directors that I work with that um, I love being challenged. I love, you know, a good director will never, a good producer, a good director will never say, you know, let's cut there or anything like that. It's it's about you speak in that general. Why don't this isn't working? And I think the reason is. 
it just seems to you know sag at the end. Or there's just there's there's that other dialogue that is if yeah. you were reading a script. Yeah. That's how you would speak. Right. It's more story. You know. Story and of course, you can say no. Cut there. I, what if we go to this here? Of course. I'm but not it's, saying. But it's but it's less like uh, four or less frames it, of that. Yeah. There's no. More. I I have no interest in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think. You know, if you have a good, just like all the other disciplines, if you have someone that's good at their job, you know, you 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 surround yourself with good people and you just let everyone kind of do their job with that common goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you, I mean, I like this area we're in about about editing as not so technical and software, and but more as a storytelling. Yeah. What, what did you, how, how did you, how do you train that side yeah. of the editor's brain? Well, and I, I never thought I'd be a computer guy. Right. Never. Right. When I was even in school, I was so, because I had Keith, <laughs> I'd call him and, Keith, I can't make a box in the ADO and he'd come in and do it in four <laughs> seconds and a week later, I still couldn't do it and I was terrible. <laughs> I was terrible at the technical side of it. And then when I started working with Matt in Calgary, I'd be calling him up, and, you know, two in the morning on a Sunday and I can't figure out how to do a dissolve, Matt, the machine, you know, and you'd have to... So technically it took a lot for me to become proficient, but luckily for me, I was right on the cusp when I started working in Calgary that Matt purchased one of the first nonlinear editing systems really in Western Canada, Media 100. And that moment that it hit the computer, I started to realize that if I kept up with this new technology and learned it from the ground up. Right. I would have part of a skill set that many others wouldn't. And in fact, I'll even go, you know, not to disparage or um, criticize, but when I go to Toronto, and I, there were a few years when I first went, rather than setting up my hotel room, I, I worked at Tattersall a couple of years and they'd rent a suite. And, and I, you know, you could hear through the walls and there were drama editors that had come from the old Steambecks and actually cutting film that they couldn't import an MP3 you know, attempt sound effect or music without their assistance. Like they, I, wow. I saw them call editors on at four o'clock on a Sunday because they couldn't open up their program <laughs> and things wow. like that. Wow. And it was so limiting to me. I'm like, yeah, how right, can you yeah. be, how can you be? And, you know, and I'm often called fast, which that's fine, but I think it's fast with a purpose. <laughs> Anyone can be fast. You can be really bad and sure, fast yeah. too. Oh, yeah. That's me. Right? <laughs> so fast with a purpose. And, and I think the reason that is, is I just, I did try to embrace the technology. And you got to remember when those computers, when we first started doing nonlinear, now we're doing commercials. And guess what? I'm doing all the graphics for the Ford commercials and I'm doing graphics and rudimentary animation. And now I'm doing comps and I'm doing keyframes and all these things that I had no idea I'd be doing. And that was fascinating to me. So, you know, when people ask me about the technical side, I always just say, you know, learn as much as you can. And I, and the difference is from my, I'm 47 years old, you know, when I hire a 24-year-old assistant now, you don't have to tell them that. They, yeah. right. It's the, it's them. That's just part of their world. Right. Now, some of them might not be as good at it, but they understand that. It's good to reinforce it, but, it, it, you know, we're not, even 15 years ago, we'd have to say, well, do you know, can you work both operating systems? And right. right. You know, they, that's not a question anymore. Yeah. Um, hmm. But certainly the learning every application you can learn, it all translates. You know, 
what about the the art side of it? Like, like is yeah, it, but it, that's the three things, right? You got to you have to be an artist. Yeah, you have to be technically proficient, and then you have to be able to discuss and actually often interpret. You know, here's something that when I first started, I would get super insulted. I could have a a, a movie with a thousand cuts in it, and someone would say we we you know, get mad about not mad, but they might. And they would keep me up at night. It's like, really? oh, God damn it. I should have known better. I, I knew that was wrong. Or I, you know, uh-huh. and maybe it wasn't even wrong. But, you know, you can't take it personally because you're discussing art. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I learned is if I disagreed with someone's take, I, I just took the personal side out of it. And said, well, maybe they're not actually reacting to what I think they're reacting Right. Maybe they're reacting to something three shots ago. Maybe they're reacting to something four scenes ago mm. that's not making sense. So it's that interpreting that someone says, What well, are they actually complaining about? What are they right. actually maybe complaining about? Yeah. And maybe it is this shot that they hate and fine. But then if you imagine when, when someone says, you know, this isn't working. I'm not quite sure why. And then they say, well, could it be that four scenes ago we said this and now we're pretty much contradicting that. Right. And this character has completely stepped out of what we have set up as their character. And you're having that, and it's like, wow, and that's gold. I mean, right, that's right. like that's movie making. That's yeah. that's drama. That's writing. Hmm. And so, yeah, that's the art. And then you have to. And there is one other thing that when nonlinear happened, I was around long enough in the linear world, and especially going back to my <laughs> film uh, transfer days with the VHS feeds, <laughs> you would walk away. And the thing that you would hear is that's good enough. Mm. Because if even in the online of a VHS cut of a commercial, if you had to make a change, you had to take it down a generation. Right. And you go tape to tape. And then you made another change and you took the master and you went tape to tape. And then you went down. And so you might be four down and there's this one area of this commercial music, music video in particular, where you wouldn't rebuild the whole thing. But now there's a section that is so degenerated because Mm. you're going tape to tape. People would say, ah, you know what? It's not worth it. That's good enough. Right. When nonlinear finally really took hold and the computers finally caught up to our brains, you know, it's not uncommon if there's two or three people in the room to have a discussion. And as they're having the discussion, I just turn down the volume and I do the, I do what they're talking about. Yeah. Right. This happened I, to us. I pick, yeah. I listen to what someone yeah. might be saying and I just do it. And then you hit play and they're like, yeah, okay, good. Like that. Like <laughs> That's great. Like, that's amazing. You yeah. know, so let's, let's look at it in the context. We don't have to talk about it anymore. People used to talk. Okay. Well, this is going to be like this and this is going to be like that. <laughs> just, just do it. Just let's just do it. Yeah. The technology yeah. now is strong enough and fast enough. We, yeah. We talked about this a little bit when we picked up our iMac. Um, just the ability that you have to not have to sit there and wait for it to render mm-hmm. and, and that you're, you're, the flow of your consciousness about this piece of art can be uninterrupted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, and I mean, it goes with having the right tools and knowing how to yeah. use them, I think. Yeah. Because if you don't really know what it, what a software can do, then you're basically just using your razor tool and moving shots around. Yeah. But then, yeah, you're absolutely right, Matt. Like we all cut on my MacBook Pro when I, when you have the iMac. Yeah. And yeah, it slows you down and, and you can't, you can't, grade as easily and you can't see what it's going to look like so you may lose an idea that you have yeah exactly yeah. yeah for sure so yeah it's it makes a big deal um but i do want to talk about the storytelling side yeah. of editing or, just because I, i'm trying to segue to the fact that you're 
writing and directing as well. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's not the only thing that you're doing. But is there is there a book or, or anything that some, that you would recommend to someone to like, yes, obviously get the technical side down, but how do you become a, a storyteller in editing too? I think, I mean, I always, that the, the conversations, that was a 20 years ago now. Um, that's, that's a, that's one of the few books that talks about, you know, kind of what goes on in the edit room. DVD extras are awesome. If mm-hmm. you know, like I, um, uh, girl with the dragon tattoo has a great, they actually you <laughs> spend time in the edit suite as much as again, I'll might the other half now might turn off, but I'm not a big sort of sword and sandal fantasy guy. Mm. So Lord of the Rings, Actually, I didn't really enjoy. Like, it's it's not my. It, hmm. it just doesn't grab me. But I would watch the DVD extras, and it, I was fascinated. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. By, yes. That is know, an interesting. Peter Jackson in his bigger days with his yeah bare feet up on tables, and, yeah. like it was just fascinating. And I just <laughs> love it. I just that stuff. I just love. Yeah, yeah. So that's part of it for me. Where I, you know I kind of see how you can listen to how they talk, and you know, like at this point, it's kind of like, oh yeah, that's that's how we talk. Right. Um, consumption, just general consumption, because people talk in terms of other things. I feel like this is going to be a little bit like, you know, a scene in Blade Runner, or you know, like people talk right. like that. So they still mm. reference movies, they still reference TV shows. So that general knowledge is is one way that it's communicated. Hmm. So I would say I think more than just reading. Um, any particular books, I just I find that consumption of anything beyond and 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 then people getting now get into the room, right? Like if you're you know like we I always take in practicum students and mm-hmm. if you're out there, just you know give us a call and it's not always a good time, but if it is, like spending a day in the suite with me and a director is probably a pretty good yeah no doubt masterclass yeah, of yeah. what you know like what the what happens. Cool. I was um. I am a big Lord of the Rings fan, and and especially of those the behind the scenes, what they call the appendices. Some of those are actually really boring, but it's funny you mentioned that shot of Peter Jackson in the editing room because <laughs> that has always stuck with me um, as far as what the relationship between a director and an editor is, and I think it's a little bit misleading, um, at least from my my recent experience where we shot this movie, um, and then we just kind of handed the footage to you and then we just kind of waited <laughs> and i always thought that the director like goes in with the editor on day one and just sits with them and like and just cuts how often does that happen and, and to me it doesn't seem like a good idea anymore but yeah. that's just what i assumed was the case well it, to me i'm at a luckily i'm in a position where i i can't really do that yeah i can't because you know it's kind of like watching someone think about chess too. Like what, what is on the screen could very likely also be seven moves behind what I'm thinking. So I might be looking, I might be doing a match frame and I'm trying to find a shot and I'm so, and things happen so quickly to watch someone edit early on. It's going to be mad. It's, it would be, it it would drive a person insane. So even the few things that I've directed, I don't edit it myself right off the bat. Because I just want someone to have fresh eyes at it. Mm. And that's the beauty. I mean, I, I've said that all along. For no other reason, you have someone that is new to the material and not privy to 
you know, a grip died doing that shot. Sure. It must right. be in the movie. Right. If it's not good enough or if it doesn't serve the movie, mm-hmm. I, you know, I not to be cold about it, but it shouldn't be in the movie. Right. And, you know, whether it's a writer or a director, if, you know, you got to leave your ego sometimes. And it's hard not to be precious. You know how hard people work. You know how, what the dream was. You even can maybe still are talking yourself into, yeah, I think we, I think we got what we thought we got. Right. And maybe not. Maybe you didn't. Mm-hmm. But as much as that happens, the other side happens. The stuff where you're like, oh my God, that's fantastic. Yeah. I don't even know that, like you see a performance and you're even there, you're on, and then you see it in the sweetness, like, wow, that's like, so it happens both ways. Right. Um, so no, I mean, I always do a first cut and I always try to do it, you know, way more than just, you know, an assembly of scenes. It has, it has to, it has to flow. I'm a big fan of music. Um, and, and I'll just getting mood and tempo and right from the very beginning. So, you know, I, when I was talking to you guys about the film, um, you know, Dean Bennett's always told me as for him when he appreciates coming in because he can only watch it the, for the first time once. Right. And he wants that initial, and he's prepped it for a, a Heartland show for three weeks. He's shot it for another three weeks. But he wants to walk in there and feel without memory of the battles so that he can then make decisions based on that. Hmm. And if it's in a rough shape and you can't feel it, then instantly he's already going back to whether it was a prep argument with a writer right. and and so it kind of ruins it so that yeah that was fun for me with you guys is just um you know and I, I felt it was a busy time for me I always I hate pushing someone a week and I pushed you guys a week <laughs> but I knew it wasn't quite ready right right and I don't know it's uh, <laughs> it was so interesting yeah uh, uh, as if we don't talk about it enough we're talking about our movie in plain view um but the experience was really, really great. And and I can see how a director, especially coming in really early on, could waste a ton of time. When 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 I'm looking at this cut, I'm I know that you've already been through all of the takes and, and I don't have to sit there and go like, oh, I think we had a better take here because I know that you're smart enough and great enough to know this is it. Um so but in our subsequent working, that's the nice part of having it at that stage. Yeah. When you would say, I'm wondering if he shouldn't be more angry, happy, whatever the right. whatever the term sure. is. And then you do that beautiful, well, let's look at the other takes and let's totally, see if we can totally. massage a feeling there. And but let's do that in the right places, it, not the places where you've already done the work yeah, and, and we don't need to rehash. But I'm willing to open up anything. I'm, of course. I'm of willing course. to recut a whole, I, I'll do anything. Yeah. Just, but it's just fun that that I think you can just get to that point better mm-hmm. if it's mm-hmm. not in a stage where people are oh, yeah. no, taken it, out of the movie every right. time. It blew yeah. our minds. It blew our minds. It, it felt it felt near finished, and it's still not near finished. But you know, we expected just a rougher experience, and and uh, it was it was a really cool place to start. And yeah, I think that's very empowering for. That's everybody. fun. So, what about you though, as a, as a director and as a writer? I mean, I don't know how much we can talk about, mm-hmm. but. But are you translating those those storytelling skills from the edit suite into your writing? Well, I, all editors think they can direct, and all directors think they can edit. Right, right. <laughs> I would argue it only goes one way, but <laughs> um, no, of course. And, and that's the other thing. Now with you know with the technology, people do shoot, edit, 
and yeah, do it. Yeah. They all do it themselves, and that's, that's fantastic. Um, for me, it's just using a different part of my brain. It's uh, it's about advancing my skills as a storyteller. So I got to do some second unit directing on the third Ginger Snaps that I worked on mm. with Grant Harvey. Right. Uh, a great story there was uh, they were shooting the second one with Tatiana, oddly enough. Um, and when they were shooting the second, we were prepping the third. And I basically, I think I got, oh, I don't know, a second unit. I mean, I maybe did two days worth. And John Fawcett, who had been involved, of course, all along as creator, he was doing some second unit for Brett Sullivan, who was directing the second. And he did a whole bunch of second unit on the third one. And then the credits roll, and it's like second unit directors, Ken Phillips and John Fawcett. And it's like couldn't be more <laughs> right. unbalanced. Right, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And in fact, it was so unbalanced that Steve Hoban, the producer, saw the film in the theater for the first time. What what the fuck did Ken do? Like he did he second unit like he didn't even know that I'd done it. <laughs> and and uh, so anyway, but I love that because you know going out on set and seeing the struggles and seeing the shortcuts. That's why I really try not to ever complain in the suite and say, why didn't they get that shot? Mm. There's probably a reason, right? You know, it, it, and even if the reason is that it was just missed, well, whatever, but it was because it was a 12 hour day and they were looking at 13 and a half and all of that. I get that. And so it, it keeps me grounded that way too. Right. Right. Um, so, but I just, I love watching how other people, uh, direct and how they get to the story. I love hearing the actors talk about how they get to their story. So all of that is just an extension of just what I'm trying to do and just be a better storyteller. And I do enjoy directing. I really do. I mean, it's something that comes naturally. I, I, I do feel that, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough that again, I can, I can just close my eyes and. I can see what I would want to have in the suite. Right. That's that's the benefit. You know, I've worked with how many directors have I cut over the years? I don't yeah. know. Is it a hundred? I I don't know. But it it's got to be close to that. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen how a hundred different directors direct. Right. And it's a it's you know that's that's a really interesting that's cool way to do it. Pick and yeah. choose their tools and yeah yeah that's cool. And not to say it wasn't intimidating as hell going out first day at Heartland. Um, as a director because sure. you know these are people that know me as competent in one thing so I certainly didn't want to <laughs> <laughs> prove know, them wrong prove them yeah. wrong in this other part yeah. <laughs> so um, that was so is that this season yeah Your I did I did right? one episode uh, one episode okay. of me and uh, Pierre Tremblay a first AD right they we split a block this year okay cool and it was awesome. It was really, really great. How did that work when you're when they block shoot? So if yeah. you don't know, Heartland shoots two episodes at the same time over three weeks. How when you have two different directors, are you because sometimes you're shooting? Do you just take the day off if it's all yep. well, pretty much? Yeah. We you know out of the fifteen days, I think we only had we had one day where I did the morning, he did the lunch after lunch. Okay, where we actually split it that way. And it was right. completely location based. Right. And there were a few days in the studio where he might bang off one scene first and then I had the rest of the day mm. or I did a full day and then he'd come in for one scene. But it was, we were able to quite nicely divide so that the you know crew wasn't <laughs> listening to a different director right, right. every, you know, scene. Right. Um, we split a block at the end of Heartland this year. Uh, Dean split a block with uh, Allison Reed 
And that one actually, just because of how things happen, they actually have to split more days. Oh. And it's not ideal. It, it just isn't. You just, yeah. you know, crews get into a flow. And really, you, I know that day that I had the morning, like, I thought, I mean, if I go over, yeah. if I put him in a spot, like, yeah. I'll feel terrible. That sucks, yeah. And it was a, we had, the day before, we were, we were weathered. We were waiting 90 minutes in a lightning storm. So it was a possibility that yeah. I was like, oh, my God, like, mm. I did. And luckily, it, it worked out. <laughs> but that was a stress to it. Yeah, like, that's oh, interesting. Man, yeah that would wanna... not be fun to walk into and not be fun to be the cause of for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that episode is aired or you, yeah, any, it, any... it aired early. It was the fifth episode of the year and cool. it was well received. Um, you know, you, you get, I had a good script. I had a great location. I had one location um, early on that kind of fell through and then, and then I got a better location that oh, you just turn the nice. camera on, you get it for free, right? Like, nice. It, there's so much luck involved sometimes, yeah, too. You know, sure. it is. It's, it's, <laughs> we learned that, that's for sure. As you can plan for everything, and then it's how you adapt. When we There's one shot, one scene that I'm so proud of. It was end of day, and it was um, uh, Chris Potter and Sean Johnson at a picnic table up in this beautiful setting, and we were looking pretty much due west, and from the north, it was the end of time coming towards us, you know, right out of Lord of the Rings. Right. <laughs> and we ended up cross-shooting, which we very seldom do. So I had one camera set up southwest, and I had one camera set up northwest. And the colorist of that episode, or sorry, the colorist, when speaking to the DOP on that episode, didn't believe him that they were shot at the same time. <laughs> because it was blue sky right. on one <laughs> behind one actor and on the other it just it is truly like it's black it's like, black yeah. it's it's hell coming Amazing. Oh, wow. and uh you know that's one of the things that shooting in alberta you know people don't realize yeah. as much as we have the sky and the light and everything else sometimes it is like holy hell <laughs> what what are we going to do <laughs> yeah oh yeah i remember i took a great picture of uh i was sitting in my car and it's like yeah blue sky ahead of me but in my side mirror yeah, just, just black yeah, dark yeah 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 <laughs> and it's not believable like yeah you, can't, it, it, you could yeah. shoot it and, and everyone like, wow that's stupid yeah. like why would someone you know put yeah, it would. It, no just wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but what about what's next for yeah. as far as writing and directing? Uh, Dean Bennett and I are writing a, a feature script right now, and we're we're at a really good spot. Um, it's one of the joys of my life because uh, Dean and I, after I don't know how many of his episodes I've cut, but I've cut the majority of them over the years, mm-hmm. and our just our shorthand and our dialogue, the way we speak to each other about story right um is just fantastic and we have we we can we can work together and we just have a very uh sensitive bullshit meter with each other hmm. and we're not we can say to each other wow <laughs> that's not very good <laughs> but then we come up with a solution together right, it's it's right. a it's a total team effort and when you find people that's the other reason editors have relationships with the directors so i Producers have relationships with um, directors. There's no, there's no secret to all of that. If you find someone you can trust that can be honest with Hold you, on tight. that you yeah. can be creative, yeah. and you're com- compatible creative, creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that. Oh my God! Like those are those are the gifts because we all know that. Trust me, it's not all like I've had directors on Heartland that I certainly didn't get along with, right? And uh, not many, um, but it was hell. Yeah. You know, it was so hard 
to not be able to even honestly criticize someone. Not even, I don't want to say, I never criticize, but bring up right. maybe an issue. Right. You know, um, because for fear of just, you know, they won't come back in the room or they might, right. you know, all that. Yeah. So right now with me and Dean, uh, this, you know, we're having a great time writing the script. Um, you know, we've, we decided that we would write the script despite what everyone has told us um, to what we think it should be. And it's, it's a pretty, <laughs> uh, it's, it would be in, in the tens of millions of dollars likely. Right, right, right. And that's, you know, we know that we might have to tone that down, but we're, we're just, we're starting we're out that. big and we're going to, we're going to do what we think we, this one deserves. Um, and then, you know, if someone says, Hey, do you guys know a good director and editor that can do this script you wrote? And <laughs> maybe we'll do that. Or if they say, Hey, we'd like to buy this off you and maybe we'll do that. But it's just been a, it's a great, you know, again, just forwarding the creative process. Right. Cool. Just learning what the you know, so that you don't just say, you know, goddamn writers can't think of anything. You know, it's hard. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it really is. Yeah. You know, just doubt. embrace it and in, enjoy the, yeah, it's been, a, it's been wonderful. And I hope to direct some more as well. Yeah, cool. Um, Any news on on Heartland season eleven? No, I, it's uh, <laughs> what is it? End of January right now. We'll probably find out in March, but okay. I would say things look good. Cool, good, but, good. You know, yeah, it's uh, amazing run. It really is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, anything else we should go over? <laughs> no, or I don't know that we missed. Uh, I don't know. I I, feel I like know. You, I, like, what about uh, we? We're we're kind of out of time, but what yeah. about Joe Media? Yeah, maybe I worked. Spent a lot of time there. I maybe, did. That maybe was a part with... two episode. Yeah, sure. That. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know Matt Gillespie a mm-hmm. little bit myself. I he he and I share a mentor, Steve yeah. Ashworth in yeah. Edmonton. I spoke uh, at Steve's school, in Victoria. Right, right, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, Matt spoke for years and years and years when I was working with Matt at C two C. He couldn't do it one weekend, I think it was. Uh-huh. So I went up, and I actually I didn't know Matt didn't get paid for it. So I, I asked Steve, well, how much do I get paid for this? And he actually paid me. Aww. And when Matt, when Matt found out, he was furious. He's like, and Steve was his best man at his wedding right, and all yeah, the rest. Yeah, yeah. And he and Matt still doesn't let me live that down. He's like, you you mowed my lawn and you got paid. And That's so funny. <laughs> but no, Matt was the reason I came. I was able to come to Calgary and work. Right. right. I, I After Al Leader said, come to Calgary, I met Matt the next day. And he said, if you move down to Calgary, I'll work for you. Wow, so cool. I stayed at a friend's place for six weeks, nice. worked for Matt every day after that, and said, oh, I can move down. Fantastic. So guys like that, and yeah, it's pretty great. Well, that's and that's just it, right? Like, there is there is that, that you know, that you're all connected, yeah. and that, the, that kind of it's generation. So and yeah, and so we want to get everybody on eventually. Yeah. So you're all name-dropping each other. Well, and, and Matt, too, during those years, I did a ton of commercials. Right, yeah. Well, and for me, right? it was it was uh, Matt worked at C two C first, which right. was a satellite company that we also did production work. They then formed Leader Productions and eventually became uh, Joe Media. Oh, okay, I didn't know uh, that. Blender Films in there for a couple months. Hmm. But the thing for me as an editor and great drama creator is is you know commercials, music videos, another great way to tell stories, but in a much shorter time. So all that stuff, I always think, just is interesting. It's you're telling stories at different lengths of time, and each has different challenges. But all my commercial editing, I really, really still think is was so valuable to mm-hmm. me as a long for a drama edit. Right, right, it is. It's it's, it's useful. Sweet. 
Well, thanks, guys, though. Thanks for inviting thanks for me. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was awesome. a great chat. Yeah. All right. And uh, when when are we getting in the suite for the move? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was one of the uh, great conversations with with uh, anyone on the show. Sorry, yeah. sorry, guests, but uh, <laughs> Ken is uh, is certainly a, a unique individual and has a journey that um, I think is uh, well. It makes sense that he's so talented um, yeah, and has done so so absolutely. much amazing stuff. He's kind of one of those Alberta film royalty people. You know, there are there are those who came before us and this wave of, of filmmakers and uh, he certainly has earned a place there 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 are some things that we couldn't say while he was sitting here with us but mm. um the fact that that ken agreed to cut this feature that we're making um i, I still don't understand why yeah, he did it's crazy um and i am you know we're just so blessed that because uh, because every single cut every single frame is a choice that the editor has made mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um yeah I don't think we even know like like how much he did. It's true. Yeah, it. yeah. We, I mean, right. like we said on on the on the show, he he really did a, a ton of work before we even saw it and 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 put it in a really finished yeah. state. And and he's got those. You know, he's been doing so much of it for so long that he's he's in that place where I think even he doesn't necessarily know right or think too much about what he's doing. Right. He's forgotten what he knows. Ability. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which is an amazing place to be, for sure. Um, And, uh, you know, lots of other people that he mentioned that we got to get on the show as well. Certainly, yeah. We're, we're, you know, as you carve into it, you you realize how it's a small community, but if if there's only one person every week, it's still a lot of people to to chat with. So um, if you're interested in being on the podcast uh, or you've got something coming up that you kind of want to plug and you think it's a good time, let us know Mm because we're we're, um, always happy to chat with filmmakers. So Absolutely. Uh, okay, back to the news you can use. What's coming up, Matthew? Uh, the Production Access Fund at the CSIF is open again. Uh, this is a, a fund for filmmakers to um, gain access to uh, the in-kind uh, funding opportunities at the CSIF. So uh, it doesn't mean actual cash for your production, but it does mean access to a lot of really great gear uh, that the CSIF offers. Um for uh for funding opportunities yeah so we we actually tapped into the fish fund which is which is one of the streams of the production access fund yeah that's when right. we were getting started um mm-hmm. and it was it was so great to be able to to get like a a real camera and and mm-hmm. real grip e- equipment um when you're kind of producing your first short so uh the deadlines are march 1st which is coming up quick and they have four streams the fish fund which is kind of open to all and then they have the cultural equity fund the aboriginal voices fund and the lgbttq fund um, mm-hmm. that are kind of specific to those demographics um i don't know if we can say this but i happen to know that the the applications were low last year ah uh, yes which which uh is you know a grant is a use it or lose it kind of thing so if, sure. if you're looking for access to this stuff um apply 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 yeah it could literally mean free just free gear yeah just because you you have a, a project that's viable and makes sense yeah. and, and that's all yeah. that's all you really need uh, if if your competition is low so uh, and the CSF are, are nice, wonderful people. You absolutely. can you can call them up and ask them about the application um, and chat with them before you submit. Um, this this doesn't have to exist, right? This exists because they want to help filmmakers make films. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely check it out, csaf.org, um, Production Access Fund. So just a quick mention again of the Telefilm Microbudget Program. Um, obviously, we don't talk enough about this program, <laughs> but uh, it is definitely uh, something to be a part of. But at this point, you've missed your FAVA deadline. The CSIF deadline is uh, January 31st. Um, 
But if you are interested in maybe next year, uh, I would highly recommend checking out the links, reading up on the uh, the um, guidelines from both Telefilm and your local organization, FAVA, CSIF, or, or whatever it might be, um, because they are they are different. And um, get your your project ready for next year. So the Cal uh, Canadian Film Fest and the Harold Greenberg Fund have partnered on something called the CFFHGF Script Contest. Um, Harold Greenberg is kicking in $10,000 cash uh, to one screenplay. Uh, so it's for screenwriters who have written a feature-length screenplay that they'd love to get some cash and development for. Um, That's cool. Wow. Yeah. If, uh, yeah. I mean, it, the, the Film Fest or the Canadian Film Fest runs from uh, March 21st to the 25th in Toronto. And during this time, it looks like they go through these scripts. Um, the second place script receives a pass to the Toronto Screenwriters Conference in April. And the top five receive complimentary 2017 uh, Canadian Film Fest Festival passes and industry series passes. Wow. So you got to be Canadian to, to apply. Um, the screenplay must be narrative feature and between 80 to 120 pages. It cannot have been made yet. <laughs> um, and it can have a producer attached. That is, it can, yes, have a producer attached to the project. So the regular deadline for submission is February 10th. Uh, of this year and the late deadline is February 20th it's about 40 to 50 bucks to apply nice um, how about the artist opportunity grant program this is a, a Calgary Arts Development program uh, due on February 6th and it's a it invests in professional development opportunities for individual professional artists in Calgary and uh, it's all about helping uh, you take advantage of short-term opportunities that will help you develop your career. So uh, the uh, deadlines are February 6th, May 1, August 8th, and November 6th of 2017, each at 4.30 p.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time. Um, and applications are open uh, now, and then uh, the windows also begin four times a year. Okay, right. Um, April, 3rd to, uh, April 3rd, July 4th. Uh, and October 2nd. So um, check out uh, the show notes for more information on that. Um, and the budget for each intake is $30,000 with any unexpected funds rolling over to the next period. Cool. So that's interesting. Here's something interesting. This is a, an RFP. I don't think we've, we've talked about oh, that yeah. before, but uh, Heritage Minutes, you remember those? Yeah, yeah. Um, they have an RFP out for a production company to produce um, one-minute shorts about key moments or figures in Canadian history. Um, this year, they're looking for themes such as notable women of the 20th century, Canadian innovation, stories of diversity, speci specifically racial, religious, LGBTQAS, uh, youth, environment, um, and they are actively seeking topics of francophone interest. I'm looking at you, Corey Lauranger. <laughs> um, so uh, each minute will be made available in English and French. Um, a lot, a lot of stuff included in this, um, but a budget should be provided to a maximum all-inclusive cost of two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars. At least, uh, how many minutes is this? One second here. Uh, oh, for two heritage minutes in both English and oh, French. Okay, cool. So, damn, that's a pretty huge project. Yeah, um, if you want to check it out, you can find the link to the RFP in the show notes. Cool. Uh, we've talked about Luma many times on the show, uh, but th this is your notification that the submissions uh, are now open for issue eight of uh, the, uh, the, the Luma publication, which is a, a great digital uh, publication on Western Canadian um, film and uh, analog format uh, media art. Um, and they're accepting submissions in the uh, worlds of critical essays, news, reviews, event previews, interviews, reflections, and photo or video essays. So if you are interested, your submission is due by February 14th. 
and uh, I believe there is money involved for mm. the for the the successful. Yes, support. of course, there's so, an honorarium for writers and nice. or, or contributors. I guess I should say that's great. Um, and you're gonna have to have your final draft ready for publication by April 11th. But again, the uh, submission is due February 14th. And Media in Calgary presents article, Particle and Wave Feature Night. So this is uh, a chance to be immersed in media arts with live audiovisual performances, screenings, and installations on, installations on a night that showcases the ever-changing technological tools and processes and the artists who utilize them in amazingly creative ways. So this is happening on February 4th from 7.30 p.m. to 10 p.m., uh, 15 bucks in advance, 20 bucks at the door. Check it out. This is cool. If you're really into video art, this is... a uh, kind of the, the best of the best things that you can kind of check out yeah very cool yeah um story summit uh just another reminder that that's coming up february 23rd to 25th um and uh i'm sure we'll talk plenty more about yeah. it after As we attend yeah. ourselves but uh looking forward to that the uh the fava free-for-all workshop um specifically focused on camera is happening january 29th that's this weekend from 1 p.m to 5 p.m uh, free for all FAVA members, eight spots max. Get your hands on our AC-160 video cameras, the everyday workhorse cameras at FAVA. Um, learn how to care and handle the equipment, um, set them up, the, the functions, um, and then the more artistic stuff like composition, framing, shot types, sequence shooting, slating, color temperature, and balance, and more basics of camera use. Uh, and of course, Upstart Calgary is happening uh, very soon, and uh, they're seeking actors and directors. Um, it's it's been this has been open for a while, so maybe some of these slots are are being eaten up. So get on it quickly. You want to uh, email Karen Ryan at calgaryupstart at gmail com if you're interested. Uh, that email is due by Wednesday, February first, and you do need to um, if you haven't done the program before, you do need to uh, audition if you're an actor, um, and I believe you do need a little bit of experience uh, as a director. Um, it is meant to be kind of you know, in a mid to advanced kind of workshop group. And we always talk about how awesome it is. Um, you've heard us say it before. We, we love it. And it's definitely a unique opportunity to exercise those muscles that you don't necessarily get a chance to unless a production comes around, which unfortunately yeah. is a little bit rare in our uh I think it's rare for everybody. Yeah, I think it's yeah. rare for everybody to be able to practice directing actors. For sure, in the in yeah, in as a director or an actor, yeah. absolutely. Um, Six Degrees in Calgary presents the camera loves you an auditioning for film workshop with Chantal Perron. Um, a two week intensive. You'll be taken through the technical world of the film audition room. Uh, we've spoken about this quite a bit, but uh, it is coming up Tuesday, February seventh is the first class, and then it's Tuesday and Thursday nights for two weeks. 425 bucks at six degrees on 11th Ave in Calgary. You have to be over the age of 18 and they only have uh, spots for eight participants. The uh, set etiquette and protocol workshop, uh, which we talk about being a requirement to be a part of the uh, unions is uh, happening uh, on February 11th. Um, and it's happening at IATSE local 212, um, which has a great kind of learning space available. Uh, and it's forty dollars, and this this opportunity does not come up all that often. So if you are seeking a uh, access or, or getting work in the film industry, you are going to want to uh, be a part of it. Up in Edmonton, if you want to learn to uh, improve your screenwriting game, Fava is hosting a screenwriting workshop on uh, oh a few nights here from between Tuesday, February first, and May sixteenth. From 6 30 to 9 p.m. Uh, in the evenings uh it's 425 bucks you can learn more about screenwriting i don't know what else there is to say about that you should do it for sure yeah. for sure 
Um, I'm trying to see who exactly is putting on this workshop, this introductory workshop to uh, for lighting and working in the lighting it's department. It's IATSE here. Is it IATSE? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, there we go. Cool. And it is uh, happening at William F. White, which is the place to do. Unfortunately, it is full already, but um, there there is, uh, I guess, something to keep an eye on for, for next time they, uh, they set it up because... It had uh, room for twelve people, so yeah, I, and it's already filled looks up. Looks like it's pretty filled up pretty quick. Yeah. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on uh, for future, for future and, yeah. and uh, check out the IATSE website to, and keep an eye on that for more information. I'm seeing more of this. Maybe it's just because I'm uh, paying more attention to it, but IATSE is, seems to be putting on a lot more workshops lately. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so there, I mean, IATSE is the uh, the local technical union. Um, Great folks, and and definitely check out their website www.iatse212.com uh, to kind of find out what's coming up. Speaking of which, they have another course uh, also full, but uh, definitely something to keep your eye on is the IATSE website yeah. to get involved in these. Then this one is for uh, grip. It's called Grip One, and uh, it's an introductory workshop to working in the grip department. Cool. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's going to put you uh, head and shoulders above uh, other people who are just coming in off the street without this kind of um, uh, experience. Yeah, so, certainly. Uh, all we can say, unfortunately, since it's full, is keep keep your eyes open. Hopefully, they do it again. Yeah. So, what's shooting, Matt? What's uh, going to camera? We've got uh, Knuckleball up in Edmonton shooting. Right. Uh, Winona Earp. And uh, Fargo, um, as far as I know. That's as far as I know, too. Yeah. yeah. I would call it quiet, except Fargo's huge, and so yeah. is one on Herb. Indeed. Uh, and Knuckleball, I think they're going for four weeks. Like, that's a long oh, wow. time for yeah. a feature. So That's cool. Pretty Some three pretty awesome projects. Absolutely. And uh, let us know if we're mistaken, if there's some more stuff that you know about that we don't. Please do share. I, I also want to mention uh, there is the uh, Doc Soup uh, screening happening on Wednesday, February 1st at 7 p.m., um, that's uh, the monthly documentary screening that's put on by uh, the Calgary International Film Festival and Hot Docs. And uh, this one is called I Called Him Morgan. And it sounds kind of interesting. It's about uh, a celebrated jazz musician who was murdered uh, by his wife at a, at a gig in New York City in 1972. So um, sounds like an interesting documentary. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, something to check out. Uh, there's a deadline coming up for a job call. Um, January 31st is the last day to apply for a bureau producer at Accessible Media Inc. in Edmonton. Um, so Accessible Media is a not-for-profit multimedia organization serving more than 5 million Canadians who are blind, partially sighted, deaf, hearing, uh, deaf, hard of hearing, mobility, or print restricted. Um, they have three broadcast services, um, two in English, one in French, and their mission is to make accessible media for all Canadians. So looking for a producer in their Edmonton bureau. Uh, the individual who will fill this role will be dedicated to accessibility, an innovative thinker, a creative storyteller, and most of all, a team player. Um, so you'll be doing things like producing local segments for their flagship, sh flagship show AMI this week, um, coordinating schedules and logistic requirements for the crew, um, just doing all the producery stuff. So um, yeah, check them out. Uh, the link to this is in the show notes. And another job that's available is one that I've uh, I've kind of done in the past uh, for a, a kind of a notable production company. Um, uh, this is a an executive assistant role at Prairie Dog Film and Television, and uh, that's always a great place to start uh, and and a great place to learn the kind of ins and outs of production, and especially in 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 that kind of an office, they're doing more of the business affairs, more of the development work. Um, it's not an on-set job, but maybe that's not for you. This this might be so. Uh, you can check out uh, 
uh, info. You can send a resume and cover letter actually to info at prairiedog.ca um, or learn more perhaps at prairiedog.ca. So thanks a lot to Briar. You know, we had somebody on Twitter uh, commenting uh, recently how how much information there is yeah, at the end of every, dense, every show. Sure, yeah. And that's all thanks to Briar. She she spends the time to round up all these great details and um, wouldn't happen without her. Definitely not. Um, recommendations. Oh, we skipped. A, well, what? what uh, I don't have one, though. I haven't, I haven't, <laughs> we didn't we didn't plan this at all. Uh, hmm. Quick recommendations here. I did Rocket Stock last week. Why don't we recommend, and this will put us on the hook, uh, the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast Oscar Pool. Since Oscars, yes. the, Oscar, the Oscar nominations yes. just came out. Okay, that's a good one. We'll set it up. Uh, I have no information for you because we're kind of coming up with this right now. But there are there are websites that allow you to set up your own little Oscar pool, I hope. And, yes. uh, and we will share the details of that on our uh, social feeds very soon. Definitely. So check that out and do your research. Watch watch some movies. Obviously, watch some Oscar movies. Now's the yeah, time for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then you can make your picks with us, against us. And we got to come up with a prize of some sort. <laughs> there will be a prize. <laughs> we promise. Uh, and it won't be lame. Right. It might be lame. Um, so if you're an Alberta filmmaker, this podcast is for you, um, and it's also about you. So share any news that you want with us, uh, and we will share that news on this podcast. Um, if we've got any info wrong or if we miss something, let us know. Um, we try to be as accurate as possible, but of course things get missed or uh, people's names get said incorrectly or something we're happy to correct it indeed and you can let us know by emailing us at hello at abfilmcast.ca or you can shout us uh, give us a shout I should say on Twitter Instagram Facebook SoundCloud it's all abfilmcast and of course subscribe to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast on iTunes if you don't already and uh, thanks for listening wait a minute what I want to see if anyone listens past the point where we start to say how uh, they can reach uh, us okay, can we right. put a little test in here <laughs> what, what should we what should we say we should say something like like tweet. Yeah, you specific, should tweet us like yeah. a, a hashtag. Hashtag uh, listened all the way. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Hashtag <laughs> right. hashtag listened all the way. Sweet. Um, we'll know who the true believers yeah, are. Yeah, and then we'll 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 shout you out on the next episode. <laughs> yeah, and just without any context, no just context. tweet us hashtag listened all the way, way. <laughs> and you don't have to like yeah yeah you don't have to make a big deal out of it. Um, yeah. So if you did, thanks for listening uh, and go, go make, make something. something.